1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. We will be looking at some other texts, uh, 1228, Romans 12, 6 through 8. But we will start our message with 8 through 10. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by one spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Father, help us to hear. Help us to see. Help us to not be ignorant of what has been graced to us. Father, I ask that... uh, They hear not me, but they hear you. Lord, I just beg you um, that you make this clear. That you make this clear. Father, that uh, your people called by your name manifest Christ, the divine enablings of these amazing gifts to your glory, to your praise in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. You have an outline there, and we began it uh, six or seven weeks ago in chapter 12, verse 28. This is still the exposition of Scripture, and I am dealing with something that started in chapter 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. The word unaware there is ignorant. I don't want you to be stupid about this. Uh, and I think many in the body of Christ are unaware. We, I've broken this into three categories. There's gifts of men, gifts that strengthen, and gifts that signal. The gifts of men, we spent much time in those. Those are five different types of men. You have apostles, you had prophets, you had evangelists, you had pastors, and you have teachers. They're all given as a gift. I'm talking about the individual. As a gift to the body of Christ. It is to be appreciated. It's something to do, that we are to grab a hold of, to gravitate to. And we are to have an overwhelming thankfulness that God has done this. And I'm not going to belabor this point. But each of us must be looking at this and understanding that there are these gifts. Okay, And when I look at gifts, I look at it as a divine enabling. It's literally God's power poured through an individual. All right? Now I want to start looking at gifts that strengthen. Gifts that strengthen. We had looked at Ephesians 4.11 and we'd seen that there had been apostles and prophets. There had been evangelists and pastors and teachers who were given for the work of the, in the body of Christ for the strengthening of the saints for the work of ministry. All right, so now the saints have these understandings of who these men are, these supernaturally empowered, these supernaturally gifted, these supernatural gifts given to the bride of Christ. They're there for my strengthening so that I will serve And how do I serve now? How do I serve? I concluded last week's message with the call. How do you know you're called? And you'll have to get the tape or get online or something uh, to hear that. Okay? I want to jump ahead just a moment because I want to look at a a verse and then I'm going to spring back out of this. Um, My brother here is trained in preaching and he's going to say, when I get done, he says, you've had too many scriptures and you had too many points and too many things. And I'm going to say, yep. And that's why I count on the Holy Spirit. But... 
verse 12 says, For even as the body is one and yet many members, all the members of that body, though we are many, are one body. I'm going to stop right there. Okay. What he's starting to deal with now is this body, this identity that we start coming at. We have this body, this body of people, uh, a congregation, this body of the called out one, the ecclesia, the church. It's a body. It is one body. One body. But it takes up many members, doesn't it? Many members. The body of Christ is to honor Christ. It is literally the manifestation of Christ today. They will look at the body of Christ and they will see Christ. Many today look at the body of Christ and they see a building. That is not what we are. We are not an organization. We are an organism. If we are to manifest Christ, it is vital that we do it with the spiritual gifts given. The spiritual gifts given. I remember I moved to Colorado 78 or 79 to climb. That's why I moved here. I know he's expecting more spiritual than that, but that wasn't it. I wanted to become a world-class, world-renowned mountain climber. That was it. Okay. And I remember training, training for every climb. And we were six months on six. I was six months on six months off. And I did really stupid things. Okay. I'd go to work and then I would have a backpack full of plate weights. You know what plate weights are that you put on a barbell? And I'd fill that pack full of them plate weights. And when I got home, I lived on the fifth floor and I'd run up to my apartment after I got home and I'd run back down from my apartment and I'd do that. And I had these hand exercises that I'd work and 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 I'd get myself fit and I'd go do this climb, burn myself out, come back and eat like a pig forever. And then six months later, I'd start the whole mess over again because I had another climb on the board and this is where we were going to go. I was training to bring my body into a position that I needed it to be so it would be maximum efficiency, maximum effort so that I could use it for this that I was about to do. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing with Jesus? Jesus requires maximum effort and maximum energy and efficiency. And what is so cool about Jesus, he gives the power source. He gives the power source. And it only happens when all of us are ministering in the area and with the energy of the gifts that the Spirit of God has graciously given us. Okay, when the body functions as it should, four basic things happen. Four basic things happen. When the body functions as it should, it's very easy to identify. Please write these down in your Bible, the one that you carry with you the most. Okay, first, people receive the blessing. You will see fruit of your labor. Okay? If you do not see fruit of your labor, that means you're doing it. If you see fruit of your labor, then that means God's doing it. 
So the first thing you do is you get, you get your proverbial socks blessed off. You just sit there and wow. Wow. I mean, that's, that's all you can do. God never intended the ministry to be carried out by professionals while everybody else watched. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Never has been. We must all minister so we all see God at work. And we all are blessed so all of us see fruit, so all of us understand joy, so all of us understand blessing. This is that life abundantly that we already have. We receive the fullness of what God has intended. And it's miraculous. So first thing is that people receive the blessing. We see the fruit of our labor. Second thing, the witness is dynamic. The witness is dynamic. It is a full functioning redeemed community in the midst of a non-redeemed community. And it is amazing. Listen, let me give you the best illustration I ever read. Peter exercised his gift. Okay? Just went out, boom, divine enabling. Just give it to him. 3,000 people were saved. Okay, that's not the part I wanted to talk about. The part that I wanted to think about was that others began to exercise their gift of giving and they shared all that they had to this new congregation of 3,000 and then 5,000. And it literally says that the Lord added daily to the church and the people saw the kind of love they've never seen ever before. Listen, yes, Peter had to exercise his gift. Absolutely, I agree emphatically. But had not the rest of the believers exercised their gifts, Peter would have had a 3,000 screaming people, infants in Christ. And it would be like, oh, a very bad nursery. All right? People saw this. You look at the whole book of Acts and you will see the ministering of gifts. And every time it was in unison of the power of God, you see a response in the unredeemed community. You know why there's not people being saved in Castle Rock? What do we offer? What do we offer? We got a great preacher, we got a great band, we got a great piano player. What do we got? When you have the whole body in unison, in the power of God, God will add to it. In Jerusalem, he added to it daily. Yes, 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 yes. Historically, I understand. It's the beginning of the church. It's the birth of the church. There were all kinds of people waiting to be saved that didn't know it. But you know what? I believe in Castle Rock, there's a whole bunch of people who are waiting to be saved who don't know it. I believe there's a whole bunch of people in church today who are waiting to be saved who don't know it. I'm not even sure that there ain't a whole bunch of pastors waiting to be saved who don't know it. But it will not happen until the body is using maximum effort. And the maximum effort comes from the body, from the Holy Spirit to the spiritual gifts. This is vital. Third result. Third result. You have the, you see 
this testimony. And in this testimony, when the, the people start seeing it and they start wanting it, what will happen when everyone starts energizing using their gifts? You will see leaders made apparent. They will become apparent. Um, people ask me about my call. My call was for the fact that I was serving. And the people around me saw in me what they believed is my gift. Listen, if you go to church once a week, no one has a clue what your gift is. You know what else is neat about it? You don't either. So you're running around clueless. Okay? And you know what the end of that word is, right? Bless. You don't know it. You do not know the peace. You do not know the joy. You do not know these things. Why? Because you're exercising what? I believe it would be your flesh. But what happens in a full functioning body of believers, leadership will rise to the top. You'll see it. And you know what? There is a need, an overwhelming, crucial need in the body of Christ now for leadership. Leaders are the priority. And you know what is amazing to me? Is what the church does to find leadership. They have conferences. They have books. We have seminars. Um, we have vast amounts of material to find Christian leaders. And if you go through most of it, you will find that it's singly, simply an ad adaptation of what the world wants. This is what the world leadership looks like. This is what the church needs. The SNL. You know what that is, right? Strong, natural leaders. Okay? And yet, if you go look at it, God never used strong, natural leaders. I mean, Saul was a strong, natural leader. And what did it get him? Nothing. Okay? The Corinthians that you see here as the church today, I, I perceive, have become more like the world and they tend to grab to the world's standards and strategies. Okay, let me explain that. If you need an education in the church, you need an education director or someone who's going to oversee the education, what do we do? We go get someone with an education, a degree in education. If you want someone to take over the youth, what do you do? We go get somebody who's been trained to take youth ministries. What if you want to get the name of the church out and get it out? You go get your PR guy, public relations guy. If you want to deal with young married people, you go get somebody who has been what? Trained with young married, young singles, go on and on and on and on. That's what the church does today. And we're looking for leadership. Truth of the matter is, if it's a full functioning body of people, the leaders will be seen. They'll be seen. All God expects is humility you come to me humble and gifts that I have given. You have a moral and a spiritual understanding. And you'll manifest that in the ministering community. You, it'll be seen. Where? In the church, the body of Christ. As people minister. As You know what? Listen. You know what minister means, right? 
serve. As people serve, the leaders will emerge. The leaders will emerge. It's, I've seen it both experientially, but I've also seen it biblically. Spirit-filled leadership always emerges rapidly when God freely at work in his body of people. Okay? Fourth thing, there will be a unity in love and fellowship. Okay? A unity in love and fellowship. You know what is so cool about it? It will fulfill your needs. All of them. All of them. When the body of Christ is using maximum effort, comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, every person that is involved in that body of people will have their needs completely fulfilled. Did you hear what I said? Completely fulfilled. I didn't stutter. Completely fulfilled. And it will reach out and touch the lives of those who would like the same. All right? These are the benefits that result when the body functions using spiritual gifts. That's why chapter 12, verse 1 says, I don't want you to be unaware about these You need to know these things. All believers have received them. All believers minister. Okay? We've looked at five categories of men that are given. The men have been given as gifts to the church. Okay? But if you take those five categories, okay, or any given believer, and you will find that there are gifts are to be ministered at all times, to the church, all times, all right? That is the introduction. Dude, we're in trouble, all right? Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, and I want to try to get a handle on gifts. I break gifts into two categories, two categories, Okay, we're looking at gifts that strengthen two categories. Peter gives them to us in first Peter chapter four, verse 10 and 11. As each one key phrase. Okay, which believer? Each believer has received a gift. Employ it in serving one another as good servants of the manifold grace of God. Perfect. I like that. All right. What does it say? You receive the divine enabling. You receive this grace gift. What are you supposed to do with it? Key there. One another. My gift is not for me. My gift is for you. All right. Guess who your gift is for? Me. I like that. I, I think that's cool. All right, look what verse 11 says. Whoever speaks, do it as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, do it as one serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things, what happens? Through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When Peter starts talking about Jesus Christ and God and their glory, all he can do is go, oh, f- Amen. All right? So, but you see two, 
two gifts, the two categories for gifts that strengthen. I call it one verbal and one is nonverbal. Okay? Listen, yes, 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 yes. I understand that a verbal gift serves. Okay? Yes, I understand that. All right? That's not what I'm trying to talk, talk about right now. You have verbal gifts. You have serving gifts. All right? Scripturally based, I find 11. I find 11 gifts that fall into verbal gifts and serving gifts. Okay? Now then, go with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. 6 through 8. Eleven gifts that serve, or that strengthen, so that people will serve. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 says this. Since we all have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them according. If prophecy, how? According to the proportion of his faith. If service, In his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. All right, you see that right there? Now then, I want us to think about this. I'm going to start with gift number one. I've got five speaking gifts what I call verbal gifts, all right? And today, we are going to deal with number one, okay? And it may not be number one on your writing and your text, but I believe that this gift is the single most vital gift to the body of Christ ever, okay? And when I get done, I think you'll agree with me. And if not, repent. All right. Now, some argue about this gift, and I'm calling this the gift of prophecy, prophecy, not a prophet. I'm talking about the gift of prophecy. Some will say that the gift of prophecy left with the cessation of of Scripture, the foundation that was on the apostles and prophets. And that when the prophets left, that the gift of prophecy is gone. They base that. On, um, on a text out of, what is it, 13, yeah, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, verse 8, okay, and there is a very large group of very conservative Orthodox evangelicals that believe that um, prophecy left, and I'll read the text. It says, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. All right? And they use that verse, um, and, and verse 10 says, when the perfect comes. All right? They believe that the perfect comes is the canonization of Scripture. Okay, and here's the reason that they kind of jump on this thing. What do you do with the gift of tongues? Okay, because it tells me that if someone speaks in tongues, don't forbid it. Okay, so if I got to get rid of tongues, then what else do I have to get rid of? 
prophecy. Okay? As for our study, I will deal with verse 8 when I get to chapter 13. All right? But right now, we're going to act like prophecy exists. The gift of prophecy exists. And if I'm wrong, we'll edit the tape. All right? And we'll say, no, prophecy doesn't exist. All right? And everybody's like, well, what? what, what? Now, I'm just going to give you the gift of prophecy. I'm not here to deal with tongues. The interpretation of tongues are when the perfect comes. I'm here to deal with the gift of prophecy. The word there is prophetia, uh, prophetoi. And it's a compound word in the original language. The first word is pro. Okay? Pro means before. Means before. Thema, all right, is to speak. All right? So basically, when you see the word prophecy, it just means speak before. I really need to help you to understand this, and you've really got to completely change your thinking about this word. Okay? Prophecy has absolutely nothing to do with time. It has to do with audience. Right? Time is not even in there. It literally means to speak in public. Public proclamation. All right? Um, A public speaker. The gift of prophecy does not even refer to content. You've got to get a hold of that. All right? But in the supernatural gift of prophecy, you have two things that you will see, whether Old Testament or New Testament. One is revelation. Okay? Here's what I want you to keep about revelation. Okay? You're going to get a lot of information today, and you're still going to get cheated. All right. Revelation is God giving something that's never known. Okay. Revelation. God giving something that is never known. Okay. A lot of people believe that the gift of prophecy is God giving something that is never known. In some places, that will be absolutely true. If I take the gospel to a person who's never heard it ever before, to them, now wait, to them it is revelation. What about the prophet? The prophecy? No. Because if you go back to the Old Testament, the minor prophets, most of what you see there is not revelatory. It isn't God revealing something that's never been known. It is, Alfred would be so proud of me, reiteration. (laughs) He's just repeating what was already said. Well, a prophet needs to speak of the future. All right, I'll preach the book of Revelations. But I'm only going to repeat... What is already said. Please understand that the gift of prophecy comes in two two veins. One vein is revelatory. God giving something that has never been known. Okay? Agabus in the New Testament. 
said that there was a famine coming, okay? And that the saints should help the saints in Jerusalem. He also, later in the book of Acts, Agabus says, he takes his belt off and he wraps it around Paul's legs and says, you're not going to have as much fun in Israel as you think you are. That's paraphrased, by the way. You will go, but you will be in bondage when you go. Okay, that is revelatory. God is giving something that was not known. All right? In the writing of the New Testament, when this word prophecy was used, a Greek or a Hebrew knew exactly what the word meant. It meant someone who was going to speak before an audience. Okay? Ability. So let me define it. The ability given by the Spirit of the living God to a person to proclaim God's truth. That's it. That's it. Let me show you. Chapter 14, verse 3. Okay. Biblical definition, gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. The one who prophesies speaks to men. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) There you have it. Okay, that's as simple as it gets. So, God has always amazingly given this gift. Here's why. God's not secret. God is not secret. It's it's really kind of amazing. Did you know that God communicates? Did you know that God communicates Often, on a regular basis. Let me tell you something. There has never been a time in the history of God dealing with men that somebody hasn't had this gift. Do you understand that between the prophet Malachi and the writing of Matthew, the incarnation in Bethlehem, that's that 400 years of silence, That God was not silent. There were men with the gift of prophecy doing what? Proclaiming God's truths. There has never been a time in God dealing with humanity that he has not had somebody proclaiming his word. Sometimes it was revelatory. God says, here's something that nobody's ever known. Most of the time, it was people repeating what God had already said. So it's speaking forth his word, preaching God's word. Um. We need to be aware of this because God is a God who communicates all the time. You know what? And in the preaching of God's word, the the prophecy gift, sometimes it's in the future. Sometimes it's in the present and sometimes it's in the past. But if you look at a prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and you think that it always speaks of the future, you've missed two-thirds of what it does. That's only a third of what it does. Very often, 
Very, very. I'm really surprised, actually, as I, I just cursory going through the Old Testament, the prophets just repeated what God had already said and already done over and over and over again. You just sit there and go, well, there's nothing really new here. So when you hear the gift of prophecy, please understand this. When you hear the gift of prophecy, it simply means to speak before someone. To speak God's truth before someone. Okay? So, and and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a, a gifted speaker. I'm talking about a supernaturally empowered individual to speak forth God's truth. Okay? Without a lot of trouble. Without a lot of work at all. And I can be very confident to say that the number one important gift in the Old Testament... Was the gift of prophecy. Was the gift of prophecy. It is what God proclaimed through the prophets that is recorded that makes up the Old Testament. Okay? It's vital. God is revealing through the gift of prophecy. Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, Prophecy, now get a hold of this. Remember the definition of the word. The speaking before an audience. Prophecy came not by the will of men, but by holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It isn't this future prediction. You know, that, that, was, only, that was added in the 1300s. Prophecy up until the 1300s never had anything to do with predicting the future. We added that. The English language added that. And if you really are truthful to Scripture and your interpretation of Scripture and what is God showing us, prophecy in the Old Testament is the proclamation of God. And I would argue that in the Old Testament, it was the single most important thing going on. All right? Now then. Does God change? What do you believe is the single most vital gift in the New Testament age? Prophecy. Prophecy. The New Testament... God finished revealing. He's cleared all the mysteries. He makes known to the apostles His will. The Spirit of God brings them into remembrance all the things that whatever I have spoken, that you may write them down. Okay, now what? We got them all written down. Now what? I mean... Peter believed that what Paul was writing was Scripture, Holy Writ. New Testament writers claimed to be inspired by God. They were proclaiming God's words. And when the whole New Testament was done, what are we to do? It is to proclaim God's Word. What? Prophecy. All right. We will continue in our study. Go to the book of Revelations. 
chapter 1. Chapter 1. Okay, is everybody solidified on what the gift of prophecy is? It isn't fortune-telling. Okay? Chapter 1, verse 3. Anybody want to be blessed? All right, let's be blessed. Blessed is he who reads... And those who hear the words of what? Ooh, of the what? The prophecy, and they heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. What's the book of Revelations about? Don't tell me the future. book of Revelations is simple. It's the proclamation of Christ. Period. Why? Because you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed if you hear this. You'll be blessed if you read this. And you're going to be really, really blessed if you heed it. Okay? Look at verse 19. Let me show you prophecy. The proclamation. Remember what it says. The proclamation. This is the speaking forth. Verse 19. Write the things you have seen. You know what that means, right? Past tense. And the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. The proclamation in three lines. I will proclaim to you the past. I will proclaim to you the present. I will proclaim to you what will happen in the end. The proclaiming of God's truth. So the Old Testament, the most vital thing that you see are people doing what? Proclaiming God's truth. Speaking before group God's truth. In the New Testament, the most vital thing, people proclaiming God's truth. So you take the church today. Okay? Take the church today. What does God desire? What does God want in the church today? Preaching, proclaiming, standing before an audience, exercising a divine power of speaking forth my word. Period. I don't need you to dialogue. I don't need your little stories. I don't need your... Uh, fables. I don't need your myths. I don't need your what ifs. I need someone bowed before me, absolute humility, and my spirit giving them the gift of speaking before them my truth. Why? Those people will be blessed. Those people will be blessed. This is vital. This is extraordinarily vital. This is amazingly vital. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. Remember where we started. Remember where we started. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, I don't want you to be unaware of this. Okay, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. Look at 14, verse 1. Okay, we just came out of the love chapter. Verse 13, chapter 13. Okay, so he tells them that they need to pursue love. Cool, I'm into it. Everybody wants to be loved, don't they? What does it say next? 
Yet desire earnestly. Oh, okay, wait a minute. All right, I want the love thing. All right, desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Cool, I'm into that. Which one the most? Okay, now I want you to understand the makeup. I don't want to get into syntax and all the rest of that. Do you understand what this, this is? It doesn't say that I need to get on my knees and say, God, make me a prophet, make me a prophet, make me a prophet, make me a prophet. That's not what he's saying. It is written in a manner that says, I, you, you Corinthians, you church should be desiring preaching. You need people screaming at you scripture. That's what you need. You should desire that. How much? More than spiritual gifts. You need to be pursuing love, but you need to hear my word. You need to be after my word. You need to be studying my word. You need those gifted men that I have given this gift to. You need them. You need them. You need this gift. You should desire this gift earnestly. Desire it. Look at verse 39 of that same chapter. Verse 39. There's that therefore word. That's a summary. Then what comes next? That would be brethren. You know what brethren is, right? That would be most of us? No. All of us. What? Desire earnestly prophecy. What's he talking about? He's talking about a church that's fractured. He's talking about a church that has got more influence of the world than it is influencing the world. He's talking about a church that's got schisms in it. He's got a church who has a bunch of show-offs in it. Why is he telling them to desire anything? Well, he is telling them to desire something. What? He's desiring that they find someone who says, this is the word of the Lord unto you. Why? Because when I look at the word of the Lord from God down to you, how proud can you be? When I see God highly exalted, that's in his word. And the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And we should earnestly desire the gift of prophecy to tell us these things. Look at verse 24. Because I, I want you to understand, why is this so vital? It is vital to the people, the proclaiming of the, of, of the word. It is vital. It is... Uh, why? <clears throat> First of all, verse 24, If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. And he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart, verse 25, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, so he will what? Fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. How do they do that? Through the exercising of which gift? And you want to see people saved? How are you going to get people saved? The gift of prophecy. Why? The secrets of the heart are exposed. And when the secrets of the heart are exposed, what happens? Uh Uh-oh. Salvation comes. Salvation comes. I've already showed you that it's for believers and it's for 
Unbelievers also. How vital is this gift? Yet today, how many shun this gift? Look, let me give you just verse 3. The one who prophesies speaks to men for what? Edification. This is really cool. Look at what this gift does. It will edify. You know what that means? Strengthen you. It'll strengthen you. It'll make you a manly man. Right? But it also exhorts. You know what that means? It will walk alongside you and help you with everything that comes in your path. But it also comforts you. Did you know that? It comforts. Oh, I ain't never been preached that it comfort. It has me. Multiple times. So I look at the gift of prophecy. It has the ability to edify. It has the ability to exhort. It has the ability to comfort the believer. Believers should be flocking to those who have this gift. You should be desiring it. It should be some. I'm running. I want more, 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 more. And unbelievers, the secrets of their hearts are exposed. And when their hearts are exposed, they fall on their face and they worship. Look at what we pursue today in the body of Christ, thinking that this is the greater gift, and there is no greater gift than the gift of prophecy. Prophecy. Remember the gift of prophecy. I'm not talking about telling the future. I'm talking about proclaiming God's truth. In verse, uh, back in verse 24, he said... uh, All will be convinced. It ministers to all. They even know that God is in you. Did you get that? How? Through the gift of prophecy. You have the gift of languages. People will look at you and think you're nuts. That's what it says. Not in those words. They will think you're crazy. Prophecy ministers to believers, prophecy ministers to non-believers, and Paul tells them that we need to be exercising that area. Some people say it's gone. Okay? Sometimes people speak and they're going to be repeating God. Some people they are going to give something that's already been given. Sometimes they're going to give something that maybe that person never knew but it's still in the text. All right? I want us to be aware of, of, of this gift. Now then, I want to give you one more text out of the book of Revelations, and then I want to kind of wrap this thing up. I got another one I want to give you out of uh, Thessalonians. Revelations 19. That would be almost to the maps in your Bible. Revelations 19, verse 10. <clears throat> And John sees an angel and just just gets, gets him all crazy. He just wants to bow down and worship the angel. Look what he says. I fell to his feet to worship him, but he said <clears throat> to me, Do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours, your brethren, who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. All right? Then what does it say? For the testimony of Jesus is what? Is the spirit of prophecy. You know how I can tell if someone is of God and is not? What are they proclaiming? They're speaking forth God. 
They're speaking supposedly. They're speaking forth. What are they saying? Because that verse right there says the testimony is of Jesus. That is the spirit of prophecy. If you are prophesying and you are enabled enabled by God to do it, then what do you suppose should be the focus of what you're saying? Christ. Which takes me over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll wrap this up. Okay, I want to keep your context here. A lot of people hit this thing, bang, 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 here, do this and 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 do this. And the truth of the matter is the syntax of it, the way the original construction of this was, it was all one thought. We look at it a whole bunch. I need to rejoice. I need to pray. I need to, da, 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 okay. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Okay, cool. How do I do that? Do not despise prophetic utterances listen if i don't want to hear preaching you know what you just did quench the spirit why i'm thinking maybe the spirit wants to hear some prophetic utterances okay and if i don't want to do that shh, be quiet spirit i'm busy i'm busy i'm busy look what else he says but examine everything carefully hold fast to that that is good all right. When the prophets are speaking, the person exercising the gift of prophecy is speaking, not the office. This person gifted. When he is speaking, what am I supposed to do? Examine it. Examine it carefully. Well, how do I do that? I <clears throat> thought you'd never ask. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37. Verse 37, if anyone thinks he a prophet or spiritual, okay, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are what? Commandment of the Lord. How do I test it, brothers and sisters? How do I test this individual who's speaking forth before an audience? How do I test to see? Hold that that is careful. It is written. That's how I test it. It is written because the testimony of Christ, it is written, Revelations 19. It is written, and this is the testimony of prophecy. It is written. Testimony. I'm setting it forth. Here it is. This is the testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is set forth. Christ. When that person is speaking forth, claiming to have the gift of prophecy, what will they be saying? The Bible. The Bible. It isn't rocket science. It is so simple. The gift of prophecy is speaking before. And it's so easy to spot. Because what will they be speaking forth? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Hey, you read in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came to me. What does that mean? It came to him. And I wrote it down. And it became holy writ. 
We had a foundation that was laid by the apostles and, hmm, them other guys. And what do we do now? We should earnestly desire to expose ourselves to what? Preaching. Preaching. Prophecy. And I, I warn you that this is vital to the, your very existence. It takes a believer. It exhorts. It encourages. It edifies and comforts. To a lost person, it shows the tents of the heart and it breaks them and they fall down and worship the Lord. What else is needed in the church? I don't know of anything else needed in the church. And yet he ain't even done. That's just one of five speaking gifts. Just one. But I started with this one. Because I see this gift, prophecy, the gift of prophecy, as the single most vital gift today, yesterday, and in the future. I look at the condition of the church today and I ask this simple question. How many people do you see exercising the gift of prophecy? And I would argue that that's the reason you see the condition of the church in our area, in our community. They're not using the gift. Not only are they not using the gift, the people don't want that gift because it does show the heart. Show the heart. So gift number one on the speaking gifts is prophecy. It's prophecy. Your desire should be to get as much of it as you can get your hands, your ears on. If you go look at my library... What you're going to find over and over are men who have the gift of prophecy and it has been written down in text. And I, it, I would like to tell you that I figured that all out, you know, years ago, but I didn't. I figured that out in the last about two weeks. Everybody I own is a preacher. Is a preacher. Every book. I was just, I mean, everything from Linsky, B.B. Warfield, McShane, Spurgeon, huh, go figure. I mean, I even look at my tape library and my CD library, and it is preaching. Why? Well, I'd like to tell you I'd planned it that way, but I didn't. It was obvious that the spirit in me said, Terry, you need to expose yourself to much of the gift of prophecy as you can get your hands on. How about you? Do you earnestly desire it? Is it a longing? Or have you quenched the spirit? Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word and the amazing things that you do. Lord, uh, I thank you for the gifts. I thank you that you have blessed every Christian with amazing abilities. Father, I lift up this body of people. I lift these brothers, sisters to you, Lord. They would not quench the spirit. Father, they would lift up your holy name, your holy word that would become cherished to us. It would be a longing for us. It would be an overwhelming desire for us that we would pursue it. Prophecy. Prophecy. 
Your word exposed, your will exposed, your ways exposed. Lord, help us. We beg you. Help us to long. Help us to desire. Help us to draw upon you who spoke existence in the being. Father, we give you the praise even now. It's your glory. Amen. Amen.